Good morning, church family. It's a joy to be able to welcome you here to our service today on this special Lord's Day, Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Day 2020, it is somewhat different this year with us not being here together, but I hope that each of you mothers out there watching have a blessed day and you know how much you are loved and appreciated. Um, I want to take just a moment to personally reflect on motherhood on Mother's Day today. And first of all, when I was thinking about it, um, and I don't have to tell any mother out there this, but I started thinking, you know, motherhood, it is full of joy, but it is also filled with hard work and pain sometimes. Um, I remember when our kids were growing up, I used to sing a little tune that I made up to the words of Psalm 127.3, children are a blessing from the Lord. Now, before you think that I was some model mom in doing this, um, you need to know that I only sang this song whenever Melinda or Brian did something that just totally exasperated me, almost to a breaking point. And when I did sing it, it was always sung in a tone of sarcasm. <laughs> but now that they're grown, you know, we laugh and we joke about it. And I'm certain that Melinda has days now as a mom that she sings it, or at least she hums it in her head because she heard it so many times as a child. Um, and I tell you that just to make the point that universally, mother, mothering children is hard and it's painful work. And sometimes we don't immediately see the blessings in it or the results of our efforts. But secondly, I want to remind you that motherhood is a sacred calling. In God's perfect plan, he chose us as mothers to love, to train, and to nurture the future generation. And the work that we do as mothers and grandmothers is kingdom work. It's about leaving a legacy for our children and our grandchildren. It's about modeling our faith before them and pouring into their lives for kingdom purposes. This doesn't happen in a day or even a year, or even in 18 years. It is a lifetime, lifelong calling. You know, the first verse in Psalm 127 says that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So moms, I want to encourage you, keep on building with the strength and the provision of the Lord. And in doing so, your mothering efforts will never ever be in vain. So again, happy Mother's Day. And I hope you'll be encouraged with the words from Scripture that are found in Proverbs 31 um, as two fabulous moms are going to be joining me, um, Molly and Sherry, in reading from verses 10 through the end of the chapter. Listen to the word of the Lord. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. 
She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you now um, humbly as moms, and we thank you for um, that gift and how precious our families are to us. Um, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for our children, our grandmoms. And Lord, we think about those um, this year that maybe have lost a mom or stepmom or grandmother. Um, maybe it's your spouse that's the mother to the children. God, I just pray that you would um, wrap your arms around them this year. And let them know your presence um, and how special and valued they are in your sight. We pray that um, as we rest in you under the shadow of your wing, Lord, that, that the Proverbs 31 woman attributes would become uh, clear in our lives. That they would, um, our children would be able to see them, that others around us could see them. And Lord, we just thank you for your word and what it means to us. We thank you for the ladies in our church that are mentors to us. Um, maybe they don't have children. Maybe their children are gone or, or don't live nearby. But, Lord, they still have a responsibility to the ladies in the church to be mentors and role models, and we thank you for them. We think about the time uh, that our country is going through, uh, Lord, that you would just um, help us to be um, humble before you, God, that we would seek your face in all that's going on. We know that you love us so much um, that you've told us in your word. You know the hairs on our heads. You know uh, you knew our days before we had one of them. But, Father, I pray that you would help us to remember that during these times, that whether it's a pandemic, whether sickness, whatever it is, Father, our days are already numbered. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world because you already have a plan for our lives, that we would just rest in that and trust you with our lives. That, um, that you have a plan, and it's a perfect plan, God, that we would just seek that plan and, and draw close to you through these difficult times. We think about Pastor Scott now as he uh, plans to come and bring the message, Lord, that you would just um, speak through him, anoint him with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just guide his words, 
And for us, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds, that we would be um, zeroed in, Lord, to what you have to say to us, that all the distractions would be gone, that we would be focused in on your word, and that, um, you, that we would get the word that you have for us today to change our lives, Father, to be more like you, um, because you're holy and your word is um, our guide. And I pray that you would just help us to um, draw close to you. We have extra time right now during this, um, the shutdown. I pray that you would help us to spend more time with you in, in prayer and in your word, um, that it would guide our lives and impact those around us, Lord. There are so many that don't have, that aren't believers, and I, I can't imagine what their their fears are right now. But God, I, I just pray that we would all rest in the fact that you have a sovereign plan for our lives and um, that we would uh, lean into you and your faithfulness, Lord, and your sovereignty during this time. We just thank you for all that you've done for us, the provisions through all of it, Lord, and uh, that you would help us to be a light in a dark world during difficult times. We just thank you for Pastor Scott and his ministry here, Lord, that you would bless him as he brings your word. And we ask all these things, Lord, um, in praise and thanksgiving for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day. Moms, we are so happy to celebrate you today. We wanted to let you know how much we appreciate you and how much we love you. We know today can be a challenging day, though, for some ladies who have either lost children, who long to be mothers, or who have lost their own mother. So today we wanted you to know that we see you, we love you, we are praying for you today. And to our mothers with children in the preschool and elementary ages who are in the trenches right now, we are here, we are with you, we love you, and we are praying with you, and we just wanted to tell you that we hope that you have a very happy Mother's Day and that we have a very special treat for you from the children's ministry, and we hope that you enjoy it. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. 
Happy Mother's Day, Mama. I love you. I love you, Mommy. Happy Mother's Day. I love when she plays with me and she cooks with me. I love you, Mommy. Happy Mother's Day, Mommy. We love you so much. I love my mom because she's always caring about me and helping me with my schoolwork and always thinking. We love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mommy. I love you. And thank you for always taking care of me. Happy Mother's Day, Mommy. I love you. And thank you for all the great meals that you made. Happy Mother's Day. You're the best mom ever. I love you. <laughs> Hi, Mommy. Rella. Hi, Mommy. I love you. You're awesome. You're the best. You're the best. You're cool. You're funny. You're nice. I love you. Hi. And goodbye. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Hi, Mommy. I love you. And I love your spaghetti because it's the best I've ever had and it's so good. And thank you for letting me watch Hallmark movies when you when it's cold outside and drink hot chocolate over an open fire. Hey, Mommy, every year we have Mother's Day, but we really should be thanking you every single day. So thank you so much for all that you do for us, and I love you. And I can't wait to go back to Freddy's again. That's going to be awesome. Sit right here. Hi, Mommy. church family. Why don't you stand where you are and worship with us this morning. We believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's sing together this morning. I believe in the Son. I believe in the risen 
Amen. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing God we serve. Amen. What an amazing grace.
Well, let me add my happy Mother's Day to uh, others that have also wished mothers a happy day. We, we do indeed pray that this will be a blessed day for you and you will know from your family how much you are loved and appreciated. I want to invite you to take a copy of the scripture this morning and find Luke's gospel with me, Luke chapter 10. And when you find Luke 10, look at verses 38 to 42. And I want to talk to you this morning about living out of the overflow, living out of the overflow. Um, I'm going to begin at verse 38. And so if you want to stand with me for the reading of God's word, I know that you're there in the privacy of your home. Uh, But just in honor of God's word right there where you are, let's stand for the reading of God's word. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, why don't you, or Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Father, I pray that as we go through the scripture this morning, that you would speak to mothers and ladies in general in a a very special way that they would know how much we appreciate them and their labors for us. But Lord, I also pray that each mother would put a priority on her relationship with you, that she would live and serve out of the overflow. May this be a lesson that each of us learns. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The passage we're looking at this morning is a passage that obviously has to do with priorities. It's a human interest story in a sense. People love human interest stories. I think that's part of the reason for all of the interest today in reality shows. Now, oftentimes when we look at characters in the Bible we immediately are drawn to stories like David and Goliath or Abraham offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord and then the Lord stopping him. Or maybe we think about Paul and his shipwreck there in the book of Acts. But you know, uh, tucked away inside of Luke's gospel We find this story of two ladies, sisters, and their reality story or reality show only consists of five short verses. Ladies, for those who are mothers, I I think it's a story that each one of you can certainly relate to. You know what it's like to have a household full of people Uh, Many of them are hungry. They're waiting for the meal to be put on the table. 
Uh, you've cleaned the house. You've bought the groceries. You've cleaned the house. You've prepared the food for, for everyone to be there. Uh, it's a common ritual that is played out in just about every culture across the globe. You know, I have little doubt as you think of, of this passage, more of you are probably going to identify with or appreciate Martha in the story. But even though that may be true, let's remember it was Mary who received commendation from the Lord Jesus. And so regardless of how you and I might feel about how this story plays out, that's an important thing to remember. Ladies, do you ever feel like there are people dependent upon you, but you seem to have less and less to give? This morning, I want to challenge you to live your life out of the overflow. That demands that, demands that we look at priorities in a fresh way in our lives. I want you to see that everything cannot have equal attention. It's just not possible. There are important tasks and there are essential tasks. There's the good and the better and the best. And it's essential that we know the difference between those. Our relationship with Jesus Christ has got to remain the priority. It's got to be the essential or the best. Now, on this occasion, Jesus and his disciples are perhaps going up to Jerusalem for the, the Feast of Dedication, which would put this about four months out from his crucifixion. And Jesus stops his journey long enough to turn into Bethany for a visit. The first thing I want you to see with me this morning is Martha miscalculates. Martha miscalculates. Read with me again, verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, let me say that in reality, Martha is a case of both thoughtfulness, but also oversight. Her heart was in the right place, but she was short-sighted at the same time. She saw the immediate, but she did not appear to see the eternal. Hers is a story of miscalculation. There's an old story of two men who were chopping trees in the forest back in the days of the old-timey lumberjacks, before the days of all of the power equipment. There was an older and a wiser lumberjack, and there was a younger man who was new to the job. The younger man set a steady pace, worked hard all day long without stopping. The older man worked equally hard, but he took a few moments every hour to sit down and rest. Well, at the end of the day, the older man had actually cut and stacked more wood than the younger man. And the younger man didn't understand that. And he approached the, the older man about it. And the older man said, son, there's something that you don't realize. You may not have noticed every time I sat down to rest, I took out my sharpening stone, my flint stone, and I was sharpening my axe. I kept my axe sharp throughout the day. And consequently, he was able to get more done. 
You see, the younger man meant well, but he had miscalculated. He thought that life and work was just about frenzied activity, and because he had been busier, it seemed like he'd been busier all day than the older lumberjack, he should have gotten more done. But he had neglected something very important that the older, wiser, younger uh, lumberjack had, had learned in his life. Well, I want you to notice some things about Martha's miscalculation. First of all, something very good about her is her hospitality. Look at verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, without a doubt, Martha is probably the one who kept this home together. It's believed that she was the older of the two sisters. It's also believed that perhaps Martha was a widow and Mary had come to live with her. Martha is the one who takes on the primary responsibility in the home. She keeps the fire burning and the food cooking. She must have been a wonderful homemaker. Mothers, how wonderful it is when you do this. We appreciate so much the way you keep everything on the home front together. I remember growing up, my dad was oftentimes on the road traveling with his work. And so it was mom who had the responsibility of keeping everything in the household going. The clean, the clean clothes, the iron clothes, the, uh, the uh, food cooked and prepared and put on the table. I think about my own household. Uh, how with church work at the close of a day of uh, spending time in the office, a lot of times as a pastor, the evenings are when you visit with families because that's when they're available or maybe on Saturdays you're visiting with families when they're home. And so a lot of the household work was left for Connie to have to do and she did such a wonderful job doing it. And so ladies, we appreciate your efforts in that. That's the type of lady that Martha was. She was a hospitable woman. She was a hardworking woman. She didn't mind rolling up her sleeves and fixing the meal on the spot for everybody. Now, don't make any mistakes about it. Martha loved Jesus. It was Martha who opened up her home to Jesus and his disciples. I don't think Martha loved Jesus any less than Mary did. So don't interpret the story that way. In fact, I don't know if you realize it or not, but Martha is one of the ones in the New Testament that makes a, a tremendous profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you remember one of those professions of faith that Simon Peter made. Jesus had carried his disciples uh, to Caesarea Philippi. And in that area, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that the Son of Man is? And of course, they said, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus stopped them and said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. One of the greatest professions of faith in Jesus that we see in the New Testament. Folks, it was Martha who made one of the other great professions of faith. In John chapter 11, you remember the scene there. Lazarus, her brother, has died and, and Jesus waits four days to go and visit with the sisters. 
And when he approaches Martha, Martha says, Lord, I know that you are the Messiah who was to come into the world. A great profession of faith on the lips of Martha. So Martha is somebody who definitely loved Jesus and believed in him as the Messiah. But as we read this story, we see that apparently Martha is on overload. I want you to see secondly about her miscalculation, her hurriedness, her hurriedness. In verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was hurried and distracted. The word there literally means to be torn in different directions, to be torn apart in pieces. Martha is someone who has her mind on everything, but apparently she's concentrating on nothing. And notice what she's working on. It's much serving. She has everything out of whack. Now, also I don't want you to misread this story in, in thinking that it is teaching us that work is condemned. It's not condemning work. It's rather condemning misplaced priorities. You see, God loves work. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 and 2 that God worked six days in creating the world and rested the seventh. And he gave us the same pattern to follow. God is to be honored and glorified in our work. Folks, we aren't supposed to even stay gathered in a sanctuary all week long and never go out into the world to face our responsibilities or to be a witness. There is a place for us to be like Mary, but there's also a time and place for us to be like Martha. Thank God for the Marthas in the home. Thank God for the Marthas in the church. Thank God for the Marthas in the world. If there weren't Marthas, a lot of stuff wouldn't get done. But in our work, we need to be in tune with God's agenda. We need the right priorities. We need the right perspective. We need to put God first and we need to do what he asks. Now, I want you to notice that Martha is putting all kinds of pressure on herself that apparently Jesus and the disciples were not. We're good at that, aren't we? We put all kinds of pressure on ourselves. Jesus had not demanded all of this extravagance. In fact, scholars believe that the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus was actually a favorite place of the Lord Jesus, a favorite hideaway. Maybe you have one of those. A favorite quiet place. Maybe it's the mountains. Maybe it's the beach. Maybe you have a prayer garden uh, on your property somewhere. You have that space where you can get away and it's kind of a resting space where you can come away from all of the hurriedness in the world. Well, apparently Martha's home was like that for the Lord Jesus. The last thing Jesus wanted of Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home was that it be turned into this place of distractions. 
Well, the third thing about Martha I want you to notice is her hostility. Look again at verse 40. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You can hear the frustration in her voice, maybe even some anger in her voice. Her hurriedness, her frenzied activity, all this pressure she's put on herself just gets her to the place that she's ready to explode. Folks, if Jesus gets pushed out of number one in our lives and we lose that priority, you know what's going to happen to our lives? Our lives are going to become just one big frustrated mess. And you know what's going to happen then? We're probably going to find that we start getting sort of short with the people around us. We get angry and frustrated with the people around us. And we express that anger to them. And we also lose our joy. You know, the work that we do for the Lord, it ought to be a labor of love. But if we forgot about putting Him first and serving out of the overflow, then all this work that we do for the Lord, we're, we're going to start getting resentful about some of that and we're going to lose the love and the joy of it. You know, if you're serving the Lord and, and you're not really doing it out of love, that ought to be a sign to each of us if that happens in our lives that we've become like Martha here and we need to kind of take a time out and stop and reevaluate some things. You know, there's some signs of this happening, right? You may want to write some of these down. If, if we're just busy about all kinds of stuff and not resting in the Lord first and spending our time with Him and drawing strength from the Lord, then the first thing I see happening is there's going to be fatigue that sets in. And I'm not talking about the type of fatigue that a night's rest can take care of. Uh, I'm talking about a bone-crushing fatigue. And then also fear. I'm speaking of fear in the sense of anxiety. Martha is worried about all the details of life. Is everything going to be done just right? Is everything going to look right? Am I, am I going to appear right? Is, is everything about my household uh, going to sort of meet the standard, whatever standard it is you feel like somebody might put on you. Do you constantly do that? Do you lay awake at night and worry about all the details of life and responsibilities and decisions and problems? That might be an indication that you've become like Martha in this story. I think a, a third thing is frustration too. Uh, you can sense the frustration rising in Martha. She's even frustrated at the Lord. Notice what she says to Jesus. She comes rushing into the room. I, I can see her just all of a sudden bursting into the room and saying, Lord, don't you care? Maybe you're at that point in your life of even getting angry at God. Folks, if that's true, that's a sign that things have gotten out of whack. 
If you've gotten to the point that you've started blaming God and everybody else for your circumstances and problems. Notice that uh, not only was she frustrated with Jesus, but with her sister. And she didn't call her sister by name. You know, I'm not sure, but I think maybe we're supposed to read something into that. I know when Connie used to get angry at Melinda and Brian, sometimes when I would get home in the evening, uh, she'd say, let me tell you what your son did today and wouldn't even call him by name. Kind of sounds like that's what Martha is doing right here. Martha was frustrated at her service. Also, she was distracted by all the preparations. What she loved to do was all of a sudden a burden. Folks, when things get out of whack in your life, even the things you love to do for the Lord might become a nuisance. And so that's just some of the warning signs that, that I see in Martha that can also come over in into our own lives. And when we start doing things like Martha is doing in this story and lashing out at people and blaming people, it, it may just be a sign that we need to kind of pull back and do some re-evaluating. Moms, maybe I've touched a nerve with you in that. Maybe you realize that that's something you need to do. Just sort of take a step back and reevaluate if perhaps you're not serving out of the overflow. Well, the second thing I want you to see, I want us to look at Mary. And I want us to see that Mary discerns the moment. Mary discerns the moment. In verse 39, we're told that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, the first thing about Mary I want you to see is her priorities. Mary is putting first things first. You know, the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And, and that's what Mary is giving attention to here. Imagine, ladies, having Jesus in your home. How would you act? Now, don't misunderstand Mary either. She is not lazy. Nothing of that is hinted at in the text. Her priorities are simply placed in order. You see, there is a time for work and there is a time for worship. And if you and I mess up that order, we're going to be the ones to suffer in life, just as Martha did. This is not the time for work. This was the time for worship. And Mary is apparently perceptive enough to realize that. Jesus has come to their home. He's received this invitation from Martha. He's arrived. He's not asked for all of these elaborate preparations. He's turned in to rest a bit and his disciples are apparently with him and he's teaching them and we see that Mary is spiritually hunger, uh, hungry. She wants to, to listen. Now let me also say how unlike 
Jesus was at this point to the rabbis of his day. You see, the rabbis would not allow a woman to be their disciple or to sit at their feet and listen. In fact, one rabbi said, if the word of God was either going to fall into the hands of a woman or it was going to burn, then let it burn. What a terrible attitude. Jesus didn't have that attitude that was so popular in his day. You know, ladies, wherever Christianity has spread around the globe, the role of women has been elevated. Christianity understands very clearly what the Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 1, that God created man in his image, male and female, he created them. Men and women are created equal. Yes, we might have different roles in life or different functions in life, but in essence, we are created equal. The Bible affirms that. Jesus affirmed that. I think all of this blurring of the gender roles that we see today in our society in 2020 is dangerous. Perhaps, even without fully realizing it on our part, it, it's even a strike at God's creation. He created men and women, male and female. This was God's design from the beginning, and we need to honor that. But again, Jesus honored womanhood. He reached out to women. He included women in his mission. Here he allows what the rabbis of his day would not allow. They wouldn't have allowed Mary to be sitting there at their feet listening. But Jesus allowed that. Mary is soaking up this opportunity to build her life on the word of God. She's like a wise builder. This afternoon, read Psalm 1 about the person who is blessed. The way they meditate on the law of the Lord day and night and the way their lives bear fruit and prosper. That's how Mary is being. We also know that she put into practice what she heard. Mary became a doer of the word. She became a servant. Later on in the Gospels, she broke an expensive jar of perfume and she anointed Jesus' body with it. Judas thought what she did was a waste, but it was no waste at all. Jesus said, what she has done is to anoint my body for burial. Now, how did Mary know to even do that? What moved her to do that? I think our text answers the question. Mary had listened to Jesus. She had spent time with Jesus listening to him teach. And in some of his times of teaching, he had told his disciples that he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when he got there, he would be mocked and persecuted and finally crucified. And you know, the disciples didn't seem to pick up on it. In fact, Simon Peter on one occasion said, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus had to say to Simon Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you're not 
being mindful of the things of God. But you know what? Mary picked up on that. She was wise enough to discern from, from listening to Jesus and paying attention to him teaching that he was going to die. And so she had anointed his body for burial. Isn't it amazing? She seems to be one of the only ones who understood that. She's listened. She's focused on Christ and what he has said in times just like this. She had great discernment to serve the Lord. You see, ladies, when you, when you focus in on Jesus the way that Mary did, when you hunger for his word, you listen to it and, and let it shape your life, then that's going to prepare you for whatever work the Lord calls you to do, whatever service he calls you to do. Mary put first things first. I'm sure by now you've heard the story because I've, I've told you the story before on a Sunday morning, the illustration about a school teacher that was teaching her classroom of boys and girls about priorities in life. And so next to her podium one day in class, she had a table and on that table, she had a, a big gallon jar. She had some big rocks and then some gravel and then some little pebbles and then sand and water. And she told her class, she, she put the big rocks in first and, said, and filled the jar up with the big rocks and said, is the jar full? And some of the boys and girls said yes. And she said, no, it's not. Then she took the gravel and she poured it in and let it fall down between the, the big rocks. She said, is, is the jar full now? And some said yes. She said, not yet. Then she took the little pebbles, the pea, the, the pea gravel or the tiny little pebbles, poured them in. And some thought the jar was full and she said, not yet. And then she poured the water in and finally the jar was full. But her lesson to her class was, you've got to put the big rocks in first. You see, folks, that's what Mary is doing. She's putting the big rocks in first, the most important things in first. Ladies, I hope today that, that Mary will be your inspiration for making sure that uh, you keep your life in proper priority. It, it's so basic, but it's something we all forget to do from time to time. I want you to think about this story being included in the canon of Scripture. You know, God's providential stories in the Bible aren't there just by accident. You know, at the end of John's gospel, John talks about all the other things that could have been written down. If everything had been written down that Jesus had done, he says all the books around couldn't contain everything. And so the biblical writers were led by the Holy Spirit to include certain things. Why does this story get included in the canon of Scripture? Because I think God is trying to teach us something. 
He knows that we will all have the tendency to be like Martha and we'll just be scurrying around in life, busy with all kinds of activity, sometimes uh, frenzied activity, and we'll be getting angry and frustrated at one another, at our circumstances, even God himself. And so we have this story as a lesson. Mary is held up as a model of how you and I are to be in our lives with the proper priorities. Secondly about Mary, I want you to see her praise. Look again at verse 41 and 42. Jesus praises Mary. And he admonished Martha in a very loving but a firm way. Mary was doing the right thing at the right time. What Mary had chosen to do was the best thing, and he wasn't going to change that. Jesus was not going to bow to the demands of Martha. You see, Mary didn't need to change. Jesus didn't need to change. Martha is the only one in this story who needed to change. Jesus pointed out that the essence of the Christian life is not not religious activity, but a vital relationship with Him. And then the activity grows out of that overflow. Again, it's not that we are not to be doers. James says we're to be doers of the word. If we're hearers only, we've deceived ourselves. But folks, properly hearing is what orders and defines the doing. After all, Jesus is our very life. He's the door. He's the vine. He's the light of the world. He's the good shepherd. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. If you get disconnected from Jesus, you're going to crash and burn. Martha had the bread of life sitting in her living room, but yet she was more concerned about the bread in the oven. Talk about misplaced priorities. Martha has neglected the best thing for many good things. Martha is a shining example of a woman whose home is going to be in perfect order even if her heart is not. Folks, there's there's nothing here that she was doing wrong. She just wasn't doing what she should have been doing in that moment. She lacked discernment and wisdom. We're like that in life, aren't we? Let's let's face it. I may be talking to a man this morning who is so busy climbing the corporate ladder that he's completely neglecting his wife and children at home. Or I might be talking to a mother out there. And and ladies, I just want to stop and let you know that what I'm about to say is not just me. Some of you have observed this, okay? As some of you have pointed out, uh, you might be neglecting some of the things on the home front, 
Uh, maybe even letting somebody else raise your kids so you can drive a fancier or nicer SUV. Now, ladies, I am not talking about the mother and the wife out there listening to me who needs to help support the household to make ends meet. The kind of economy we're in today, oftentimes it takes two incomes. I'm not talking to that lady right now. The, the lady who's helping uh, to put food on her table and pay the bills, you deserve nothing but the highest praise. But I'm talking to the wife and mother who might be neglecting things at home just so she can have better things of the world. And you're busy about what you're doing in life and you're neglecting the best. Perhaps, perhaps no one has had more of an influence for the Lord Jesus in the 20th century than Dr. Bill Bright. He's passed away now, but he led Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, he once made the statement, he said, I try to prioritize everything I do in light of the Great Commission. Folks, that's the key, isn't it? Spend your life on things that will outlast you. And nothing is greater than God and God's business. How long has it been since you pulled away from all the distractions, all the deadlines, all the duties and demands of life, and simply sat at Jesus' feet a while to worship Him? That's the best thing. And Mary had chosen that. And Jesus said to Martha, what Mary has chosen is not going to be taken from her. Moms, choose today the one thing that is needed most. Choose the thing that will never be taken away from you. Choose Jesus. Your time with Jesus. That is going to define everything else about your life. And that's going to bring you joy and peace and strength in your life. Maybe you need to allow the Lord to take some things away from your life so you can better focus on what He wants to remain in your life. Ladies, if you put him first. The Lord will help you order everything else in your life better so that you're just not running around in, in busy activity and losing focus and growing angry and frustrated. But you spend time with him first and pursue him with your whole heart and he's going to help order your life in every single category, in every single relationship you have. And you know what? You'll also notice when you put Him first, He's going to bring joy to all of your activity. I think of Isaiah 40, 31. It's a great memory verse. It says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary.
Father, again, today we want to thank you for our mothers and how special they are to us. And Lord, we, we reflect on how much they have impacted us as they poured their lives into us. And I pray for moms today that they will properly order their lives the way you would have them to so that they will live out of the overflow. Lord, one of the easiest things to do in life is to be like a Martha. Immediately get up in the morning and all day long we're just scurrying about. And we're getting so frustrated and tired and so anxious. Lord, help us each and every one to sit at your feet like Mary did so that you can properly define all of the business of our lives and all of the relationships that we enjoy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.